Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Welcome to Nurse News Analysis with Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Michelle. Today, I have with me Nurse Jody and Nurse David Wayne. We're going to be looking at what's going on in the news, and today we will be discussing relevant topics you likely will not hear on your mainstream media outlets. Our regular listeners may be aware that Nurse Jody is actively working in the emergency department in her local hospital. She has unique opportunities to tell us some stories of the American people and the plight of the everyday person as it pertains to the impact of not only medical conditions on the human body, but how the COVID-19 vaccine and the mandates surrounding it have continued lingering effects on the American people around us each and every day. We all know somebody that this is true for. When you present to an emergency room, it's usually because of something major going on with one of your body systems. But we forget that a broken body part has an impact on another major body part. And that is the brain, the mind, the mental health of the human being. Emergencies in general are stressful. That was true before COVID. But now we have American citizens who have literally had injected into them and into their body systems that are uh, that are system breaking chemicals and they're suffering all around us they deserve the proper medical treatment but even more importantly they deserve to be validated i personally know what it's like to have the medical community not validate medical conditions and they will gaslight the patient into believing that they themselves as a patient or the parent of a patient can't possibly know more than the medical health, mental, you know, the medical community in general. They're always feeling like they're superior in this knowledge or that it's not relevant that there is a mental health impact on the individuals from knowing that you have been injured by a vaccine and suffering with that injury and not having the benefit of being validated that you willingly took the COVID-19 vaccine because the propaganda made you believe you had to or you were made to and you felt like you had no choice if you wanted to keep your paycheck and not lose your way to provide for yourself or your family. There's so many reasons why people went ahead and got it. Of course, some people just ran and got it because they believe so strongly in it. But there's only one way that you believe so strongly in the COVID-19 vaccine being so wonderful for you. And that's because you listened to what the propaganda said and you didn't do your own research, sadly, and find out that there was significant risks that you were taking or maybe you saw the risk were worth taking. But either way, if you're among the injured after that vaccine, you are now in a a problem situation because you have medical problems going on and you're gonna possibly be gaslit, almost certainly be gaslit because of it. But before we go on to that story that Nurse Jody is gonna be telling us about this kind of scenario that happened in the emergency room, Nurse David Wayne is gonna be telling us a shocking story of how products that have been on the market by the FDA 
that have all been approved and sanctioned for years and presumed to be safe and effective for everyone is anything but safe. And it's a strong reminder to all of us that just because anything is claimed to be safe and effective, remember every drug that ever killed anybody was first approved by the FDA. So welcome here, Nurse David. And why don't you tell us what, um, what you found out about regarding a safe and effective FDA approved product. Sure, thank you, Michelle. So I heard we were gonna be talking a little bit about polyethylene glycol today. And that immediately reminded me of a person I talked to at a nursing conference a, a couple of years ago, 2022. Um, she, in between sessions, learned that I worked in a psychiatric setting. And she said, uh, well, my story might be of some interest to you. Uh, I had a, a child who had a psychotic episode after taking Miralax, uh, which is over-the-counter polyethylene glycol for constipation. And my child murdered my husband. And I'm convinced that it was because of the Miralax. And that sounded wild to me at the time. I'd never heard of anything like that before after working in psychiatry for 10 years and uh, working in a pharmacy prior to that. I, I, it, and it seemed, uh, it seemed kind of implausible to me at the time, but, uh, but I'm pretty open-minded and her story uh, was powerful. You know, she, she seemed reasonable and rational and logical and she didn't seem um, conspiratorial. I could tell that this was a, a true belief of hers and, um, I wasn't sure whether or not to believe it, but I was intrigued enough to start digging around online. And what I found was uh, what I found was, well, interesting and disturbing. Um, she was not alone. Her story made the local news and it resulted in uh, hundreds more people reaching out saying, I had a similar experience. My child had a, a, a severe personality change right after starting taking over-the-counter Miralax for constipation. And uh, the stories kind of snowballed and people reached out to the FDA for comment and they basically got stonewalled. So uh, the FDA has a system called FAIRS with an F. It's uh, a lot like VAERS, which most listeners will probably be familiar with, but FAIRS is for uh, medications and, and stuff like that. It's a passive reporting system where people can report adverse events. And just like with COVID vaccines, um, currently, people back then started to file FOIA requests where they were essentially suing the FDA to release the information they had about adverse reactions after polyethylene glycol. And what wow. they found out was that the FDA knew about hundreds and hundreds of, of cases. Um, and this, this generated negative publicity, and it basically forced the hand of the FDA to say, okay, there's a red flag. Maybe there's something here. We're going to do a, uh, a study. We're going to enroll some participants in a clinical trial and see if this is a real thing. So that was over 10 years ago. And to date, that study is in the recruitment phase. Uh, they, haven't, they haven't started it, essentially. They've acknowledged that there's a, a red flag there, but um, they, they, they aren't actively looking into it. And the lesson for medical professionals here is that when you hear the phrase, there's no evidence of that, that doesn't mean that there is proof that that doesn't exist. What that usually means is that, uh, is that they haven't looked for it. 
Um, and that's just a pattern that repeats over and over and over. And with all the companies involved with polyethylene gly glycol, they used to be owned by Merck, who their business model is fraud. And they sold the patent for uh, Miralax to Bayer, who, you know, they're currently spraying polyethylene glycol, or I'm sorry, not polyethylene glycol, glyphosate on wheat as a desiccant right before it's harvested and fed to people. Um, so these, uh, these aren't corporations that have a, a history of integrity and a history of doing robust science to prove that their products are products are safe. So um, I'm not saying that there is proof that polyethylene glycol in Miralax is causing uh, children to have psychotic breaks and murder people. But I am saying that um, there are quite a few anecdotal stories of it. And there is no robust effort to look into the possibility that this might be a real thing, which is just a recurring pattern. Yeah, there is so much to unpack in that story. What was the age of that child again? Uh, that child was in their early teens, if I remember correctly. Okay, so if you got a kid, who, a, a child murders one of his parents and he's an early teenager, there are so many deductions to make about that. And as a parent who had a child who had a COVID, a, a chickenpox vaccine injury back in 2013. So when she, her first presenting symptoms after that chickenpox vaccine injury that we didn't know was an injury initially, uh, because she had a history of asthma. So when she first presented with, uh, now I would say that it was what's called an anaphylactic reaction to the vaccine. But the way it did it was she did had to do rescue asthma breathing suddenly. Like all of a sudden she started having to have um, help breathing with her nebulizer. And she was 16 years old at the time. So a 16-year-old knows how to self-serve by the time you've been an asthmatic this long in your life. So she's barely even talking to me about it. She knows what to do. And then it's not until about three days of her trying to do it herself that we realize we're lingering in what's called the yellow zone of an asthmatic attack, which is right before a red zone, which means you're going to end up in the emergency room with some kind of rescue, much more intense rescue breathing. And she ran to me and said, Mom, look in my throat. It feels like it's closing up, which is a not an asthmatic reaction, but a anaphylactic situation. And what that meant, and her uvula that was hanging down the back of her throat was literally laying on her tongue. It was so gigantic. And uvula is the thing that dangles at the back of your throat. So imagine it being about an inch and a half long and about um, three quarters of an inch thick and it laying on your tongue. That's, that's really not normal. And a, a nurse mama knew that. And I saw how tight her airway looked. So, of course, we went to the emergency room. And I would find out later that because the emergency room visit happened on, let's say, the 72-hour mark or the fourth day, I can't remember if we didn't end up in the emergency room to the fourth day, according to the criteria for a validated anaphylactic reaction for the vaccine injury court and the criteria that set forth for vaccine-related injuries, you have to have an anaphylactic shock, uh, reaction documented within 24 hours of the vaccine. So, you know, she was doing rescue breathing and we didn't know it, but that was just our first lesson learned in the vaccine world that this particular change actually was related to the vaccine. But the thing that would happen next would be mental health manifestations. And those mental health manifestations 
in a 16 year old would just look like a bad kid suddenly acting out really badly. And that child is getting in trouble, losing her phone or something like that. But then when you have severe changes in a child's mental health, needless to say, like David Wayne just mentioned that a son goes and kills his parent after he's exposed to something that's an FDA approved product. In my case, we just had an FDA approved chickenpox vaccine for that daughter. And we were snowballing and did not know it because when you're dealing with teenagers, you don't know if you're just dealing with a bad teenager moment. So if this, if this, let me just tell you what happens with her, her situation goes on to snowball from bad behavior that accelerates into much worse behavior to um, attempting to jump out of a moving car um, to attempting to jump out of windows in our house by just running and charging at them suddenly and saying, I have to jump, I have to jump to having voices in her head, telling her to actually harm people in our family. So it took about a total of six months for all of those to manifest. And they all started right after the chickenpox vaccine. So then you're, you know, the parent is trapped with a child with a trauma happening to them in their brain, which would end up being a form of encephalitis that manifested slowly, but surely into mental health behaviors. And the initial mental health behaviors just looked like bad teenager behavior. So I can only imagine how a Miralax polyethylene glycol problem that a mother is going to try and prove in court that may have caused her otherwise normal child to end up murdering his own father. Imagine the nightmare, David, that they're going to have to face in a courtroom to support that. Because if this boy had, in, let's say he was a behavior disorder at school. Well, so he had a pre-existing potential behavior disorder. And if he had a pre-existing behavior disorder, they're just going to say um, well, he was going to murder his dad anyways. The polyethylene glycol did nothing. And in my daughter's case, oh, she was going to have some mental health manifestations anyways, but nobody validates the trigger component. And I just, you know, you're a person who has dealt with psychiatric patients for a decade. And you know that in your psychiatric patient treatments who have pre-existing, let's say any kind of mental health, whether it's just um, an ongoing struggle with depression, if that person, there's certain things that could trigger a uh, problem with those patients, maybe even sometimes drugs. Would you agree, David? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And there's a parallel to um, court cases regarding uh, people having dissociative episodes while on SSRIs and and uh, committing acts of violence. And there are people that have actually been uh, acquitted because um, it was it was essentially proven in court that their uh, mental status was altered by by the SSRI. And that's a uh, you know, that was a side effect of SSRIs that took uh, a long time for the FDA to finally acknowledge with a black box warning uh, because they were seeing the evidence that SSRIs were uh, causing um, suicidal ideation for some people. Um, but that suicidal ideation was, um, um, there's almost a dissociative component to it where, where people kind of um, detach from reality and they're capable of violence against themselves, but also in, in some cases, violence against uh, other people. And, um, you know, there are so many parallels to the polyethylene glycol situation, but also to vaccine injuries, because they both have that component where there are all these parents who notice these changes in their child after receiving this product. And then 
the gaslighting starts from from the medical community. They say, again, there's that term, there's no evidence of that when we have these systems that we know are completely broken at actually uh, gathering and, and robustly assessing such evidence. Yeah, Jody, you're hearing this story and this really does tie into what we're gonna be letting you tell us about um, the emergency room patient that you had because this, this definitely ties into what she has to tell us about today audience, but Jody, I mean, just addressing this person that has this polyethylene glycol Miralax. I mean, they're just, the kid just has a constipation problem and they're taking Miralax and they murder their dad. What, what, do, what would you want to add into that? Well, I think that there's definitely other better options um, to help with constipation, right? right. <laughs> um, you know, having a child on that, it's like magnesium oxide, you know, that works very, very well. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm learning a lot more, you know, after my eyes have been opened, even about fiber, you know, what we've been told about fiber. I'm not really sure we need as much as they're saying we do. Oh, I was going to say, I could speak quite a bit on that one because uh, I've I've become involved in carnivore diet communities. And um, uh, there's, I mean, there's an incredible amount of evidence that uh, fiber is, it's not just that it's not essential. Lots of people are doing better than ever on a zero fiber diet, especially yes. people with autoimmune disorders, IBS, Crohn's, like so many of them have put their symptoms of autoimmune disease in complete remission on a zero fiber diet where, to the point where they are off all their medications, uh, losing weight and just absolutely thriving. It's interesting. That's exactly, I, that's exactly what I'm doing right now as well is, um, is more of a carnivore diet, especially after, you know, hanging out and talking with Dr. Urso, uh, who has a six pack in his sixties, you know, <laughs> he's, and he always keeps telling us, you know, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. And a couple of weeks ago we interviewed him and he was saying how there's a lot of toxins in vegetables and the body, um, gets rid of it quickly because it never makes it to the large intestine. That's why people think that they, you know, are, you know, pooping better and stuff like that because it never really makes its way, um, through the gut like that. And, um, yeah, very interesting. I'm learning more and more about it. I can add to that, that I had a kid who had suffered for uh, several years, probably three with severe GI attacks and, I was very sympathetic to it, but they were very unusual presenting symptoms. And he was not, he was about nine, eight, nine, 10 when this was starting to happen. And that's when your kids aren't talking to you about, you're not changing diapers. You're not dealing with awareness of what their poop looks like anymore. And so I could not say whether or not he was constipated or sitting forever and saying that he was having a problem because he didn't report that he had a problem, but he would have these severe GI attacks all the time. And the kind of attacks he would, we would find him semi listless, like on the floor, not even crying out for help just feeling like it was just wearing him down. And it was an odd presentation that I related to and thought, oh my gosh, this is similar to something bizarre that I've been going through that my doctors have been gaslighting me forever saying it's IBS, but I don't believe it is because I'm a nurse and I research it. And I kept going to the, I went, got, eventually got him to a GI doctor who put him on Miralax and they said he must be constipated. And I said, well, he doesn't report that he's constipated. And I've been trying to pay attention since I tuned into this and there's no constipation, but he was supposed to take Miralax every day as a nine-year-old kid. And we did not notice any improvement. And then all of a sudden the little boy 
at 10 years old vomits up during one of the attacks coffee grounds and nurses out there that are listening um he didn't drink coffee at 10 years old okay he he does not drink coffee grounds nor did he chew coffee grounds if you throw up coffee grounds what looks like coffee grounds what's actually happening is internal bleeding inside your small intestine or stomach in your upper GI tract. So that got us a, a next level consult that made them evaluate more intensely with him. And by that point, my medical situation was getting more solved and they figured out that I was experiencing what was called ischemic colitis, which is strokes in your intestines. And so that got him a consult for more intensive care. And I said, would y'all please just do the blood work to see if he has the same blood disorder that caused the strokes to happen to me. And sure enough, this boy who'd suffered for three years had the same blood clotting disorder that I had that causes platelets to get sticky and get trapped inside the um, little vessels of your intestine and cause death to that area or lack of blood flow to that area, which God made our bodies to um, recognize we have a problem. And it's called severe pain because a major important organ of your body is not getting what it needs. And this boy had to start taking one baby aspirin a week for the rest of his life to start basically antiplatelet drug help. But how did a specialist, a hyper specialist, a GI doctor respond to a, a mother saying, hey, this I've got six kids and this is number six. And I, I think I know a thing or two because I'm a nurse. And, and, and the deduction that the hyper specialist made was, oh, he must be struggling with constipation. Let's put him on some Miralax that thank the Lord, David. You know, and Jody, this did not end up being something um, that caused him to have some severe psychiatric issues. Well, you know, actually on the same uh, same shift that my um, suicidal ideation ex-military guy came in, I had a 22-year-old, normal weight, healthy appearing, no issues uh, girl that had a small bowel obstruction wow. and, and, and that's pretty big, you know, for, for that age group, you know, it's like, you usually don't see that at all. Um, I'm not sure exactly how that wound up, but she was on uh, Miralax. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's very interesting, you know, that we're talking about that. And then, you know, that I just had a patient, you know, that I had to put an NG tube in. I mean, you know, for those listening, you know, it's a nasal gastric tube. So essentially it's this pretty large flexible tubing that goes in through, we put it in through the nose and then it goes back behind the throat down into the gastric area. So you could just, and when somebody has to have an NG tube, they're not eating or drinking anything. And sometimes this lasts for days um, or even weeks that they have it in. So it, it's, it's a really big deal. We shouldn't be messing around with our colon. And here's another thing I like to say as well. When people come in, we're always at, to the hospital, the ER, we're always asking them, do you uh, have, uh, when's your last bowel movement? And a lot of people say, oh, today or yesterday. Uh, but we never ask the question, do you feel relieved when you have a bowel movement? Because those people that don't have normal, healthy bowel movements, you know, they, they don't know what that feels like. 
Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And somebody who actually, to show that the medical community validates that a GI system dysfunction going on actually means something bigger systemically. That by not asking anything other than when did you last have your bowel movement, we're, we're failing to gather very valuable information. So we'll come back to that after we're going to need to get cut for an intermission for our sponsors. And we'll come back to that after the break. Um, don't forget to check out our online store at americaoutloud.shop where you can find all the products that make it possible for us to bring you these wonderful news moments that's going on in the medical community and in the world that's affecting all of us. We're able to do that because of our sponsors and our network has a discounted rate for all these products, including the Nurses Out Loud sponsor, ASEA. Check out ASEA's powdered dietary supplement performance packs. The variety pack with Redox, Energy, Mind, and Mood includes 10 of each, but being that we ended up talking about a topic that addresses mental health, I want to encourage you to give Redox Mood powdered drink a try. Choose tropical flavored Redox Mood for sustained cellular calmness and good mood because when you feel strong, you are strong. Use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your purchase. I'll catch you on the other side of the break. Stay with us. It's time and this is world. Asiya believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our customers will tell you how our products have made a difference for them. From improving immune health and supporting gut health, to reducing the appearance of wrinkles, and even improving mind, mood, and energy. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. Asiya. We power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. You've all heard Dr. McCullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed. It's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. Cofix RX has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. Click the CofixRx banner on americaoutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order. That's right, americaoutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use CofixRx because it works. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Many voices, one freedom, united in the First Amendment. Our goal is to herald the voice of genuine liberty at AmericaOutloud.news. A place where you'll find the naked truth expressed with a patriotic heart. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. 
Well, welcome back to Nurses Out Loud. I have with me Nurse Jody and Nurse David, and we were discussing the impact of FDA-approved Miralax before the break. And we, she, Nurse Jody had mentioned that one of her other patients that came in that she saw had a small bowel obstruction, which is not very common to have. And the person also happened to be on Miralax. And I just wanted to make sure the audience who was not medical realizes something that bowel obstructions have a, there's a usual causative effect that's associated to bowel obstructions. And the medical community, of course, is going to assess that when you are in the ER, because these are the most common reasons. And those would be that you either have had scar tissue that's formed after an abdominal surgery. You may have a hernia that hasn't been found and is now about to be found or colon cancer. So if this young person comes in with a small bowel obstruction who happens to be on Miralax, it's easy to deduct as other nurses and, and people listening that this person has already had the obvious causes of bowel obstruction already ruled out because they wouldn't have, um, if, that would have been a known fact that a nurse would have been given a report on the patient would have reported, I have colon cancer, or I have a hernia, or I just had abdominal surgery and all these deductions would have been made. Oh, this is possibly scar tissue but that's not what's going on here. We've got a person with an unusual presenting situation. Um, my daughter actually had a shocking bowel obstruction right after having, she had her four wisdom teeth removed and had such excruciating pain because she got what's called a dry socket, which is like the worst thing that can happen to you after that. And I was downstairs, we were getting ready for a wedding and it was so stressful and she had had this procedure done. And upstairs, she calls me on her cell phone screaming bloody murder in agony, like the most you know nightmare thing you can imagine. And we end up on a 911 situation. And I thought it was possibly a, a torsion of her ovary or something like that. Get her. To, she screamed all the way to the hospital, screamed bloody murder. And this is a very tough kid at 20 years old, 19 years old at the time. And it ended up being that the medication, the narcotic that she was given to cope with the dry socket actually caused her bowels to kind of shut down, which narcotics do. They make you constipated. And her shut down so much that her entire descending colon was uh, impacted with um, bowel, bowel impaction. And it had, in fact, twisted around her ovary and was strangling it, hence the excruciating pain. And I will never forget that when they um, gave her a muscle relaxer, which would relax that torsion, not and not something to release her bowels, not something like Miralax to loosen her bowels. They gave her a muscle relaxer and never in my life did I see such bowel contents come out of a human being. And it was like three and a half inch wide diameter stool. You know, that that bowel had impacted so full and so thick that when it finally came from the body, it was just a solid, uh, solid snake coming out of her. So it's Needless to say, a, a person like that, if she'd lingered on for a couple of days before it wrapped around her ovary, it very likely would have been a girl put on Miralax to deal with presumed constipation post-narcotic. And if you all don't know that out there, taking narcotics um, has a lot of risk, but there's yet another one that you need to be on something that we can talk about as other options that we did on the first half to deal with constipation that is not yet another pharmaceutical but moving on, um, Jody, tell us about this unique case that came into the ED. 
Yeah, so I had a 28-year-old um, male that arrived at four o'clock in the morning and he was um, talking to the triage nurse about having suicidal ideation. So he was having suicidal thoughts with a plan, which, um, which makes them um, a, a pretty critical patient. Uh, when this happens, that people have, you know, the, the thoughts with the plan, we, you know, have to remove everything out of the room, we have to take their clothes, you know, they're essentially a danger to themselves. So we have to protect them. Um, this was a, a unique case, though. And the fact that he had when he first started talking to me, so I was his nurse, and I went in the room to assess him. And, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, what, what happened, you know, at this time of the morning to make you come in? And he said, well, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so don't think this, but it all started a couple of years ago when I had a vaccine injury. And I know everybody's saying it's safe and effective, but I had this injury and I, you know, had myocarditis. I had heart issues. I was on medication for a year. I had to do nuclear studies, stress tests, all of these things. And I, and I'm listening to him and I said, well, I'm probably a good nurse for you to have because I definitely do know that vaccine injuries are occurring and you're not crazy. Um, and he said that he had to get it for the military. And um, and then he was placed on, um, you know, off of active duty. And then, you know, he said his heart is all OK now. But what was happening with him was he started getting anxiety really, really bad. And that never went away. And then it culminated in into panic attacks. And then recently, so now we're talking, you know, the last couple months or so, um, you know, he is in um, on reserves right now. He's in the reserves. And he said that he, you know, his platoon had deployed and they suffered some casualties. So he said he was having, you know, issues dealing with that. And then he said that his niece had confided in him that her stepdad had been sexually molesting her. And then he said that his girlfriend of three years had broken up with him. But what I found, what was interesting, because he did have a counselor, a therapist that he talked to weekly. Well, what the difference was um, now is that he had been on Lexapro which is an SSRI, um, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And there's a lot of side effects with that. And, you know, I'm looking at one of the side effects is sexual uh, dysfunction, uh, vivid dreams. That's what he was saying. I was having all these crazy dreams that um, I was, you know, killing myself or, you know, something bad was happening. And then he started drinking again because he had not drank for a year and yeah. And it just, you know, it's just one of those stories and I'd love to have David weigh in on it uh, because, you know, it's like our military, we, we think about 
what we've done, you know, ethics wise, even to them saying that, no, you are going to take this experimental injection and we don't care what you think or feel. And if you don't, we are going to, you know, severely inhibit your movement and call you out in front of the other people. And you know what I'm saying? And now this poor guy has this injury that suffered, you know, that really, um, resulted in anxiety and panic attacks. And then now he's on this pharmaceutical drug and, you know, he's just, you know, I mean, it was just the saddest, sad story. You know, I wonder if his girlfriend broke up with him because of the sexual impotence, you know what I'm saying? Or the anxiety who knows, but it, it this seems like a, a, a rabbit hole for sure. Mm. Yeah, it, yeah, it is a rabbit hole. Um, I'm glad he got you as his nurse. I think one of the side effects of the uh, vaccine mandate is it pushed a lot of people out of the hospital systems who would have been sympathetic to his story. You know, here's somebody who's saying, hey, I, I did what I was told to do, and then I got injured. And one of the worst things for some people, it's even worse than the, the injury itself is how they're treated after their injury. They're treated as if it's some sort of moral failing on their part that they got injured by a vaccine and people don't want to believe them. And people think that they're conspiracy theorists when they're when they're the ones saying like, hey, no, I did what you told me to do. I got vaccinated and here I am. I'm injured. And uh, it's it's um, we're hearing that story. We're hearing that all too often. And his his situation is is very typical for people who are started on antidepressants and you went down the laundry list of things that he's having to deal with uh, the breakup the niece being abused the vaccine injury the um you know being being in the military and having to deal with uh deal with his injury and these things do not add up to a deficiency of Lexapro like that. That is not this man's problem. He He's not yeah. Lexapro deficient. And um, there's the, the thing about SSRIs is they are far better at creating sexual dysfunction than they are at treating depression. And that's per the clinical trials themselves. You look at the clinical trials for SSRIs and it's not that they're not effective, it's that they're barely more effective than placebo. But placebos don't have side effects that can be permanent like SSRIs do. Um, sexual dysfunction is, is way more common with SSRIs than having your depression show a drastic improvement. Uh, for, for a lot of people, um, it can stop when they stop the medication, but for some people, it's permanent. It's for the rest of their life, even after they stop taking the SSRI. And currently, our system is not doing a good job of providing informed consent to patients. And to some extent, they can't. To, to some extent, their hands are tied because you can't really tell someone, hey, this pill will work if you believe it works. Uh, that's basically <laughs> the entire ah. foundation of how it works for depression. Um, but, uh, um, you know, I, I have worked with people who will say that their SSRI saved their life. And I do think medications like that can be appropriate in certain situations. Um, but for somebody who's going through a lot of, of life stressors and who's depression has uh, very real and obvious social sources. Um, 
you know, may, maybe, maybe an SSRI is appropriate for that person, but you know, I'm, I'm glad he has a therapist. This is a person that needs a lot of social support. And, and I don't know how many young men are going to uh, resort to taking an SSRI if they're given actual informed consent about what the uh, possible side effects can be. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, there's room for their partner to also be involved in that conversation around informed consent, because it, it affects them too. It affects their it affects their relationship. Um, right. Because now you're having an issue where, and we don't know exactly why the girlfriend broke up with him. Right. But you know, it, it does say on here, the side effects, tooth problems, unusual dreams, drowsiness, dullness, tiredness, weakness, you know, sexual dysfunction, um, painful erections. I mean, this is horrible stuff that. You know, and then also, too, he said that his psychiatrist told him, if you start getting suicidal thoughts, you stop taking it immediately. And that's what he did. And then there's also a whole nother issue, David, if I'm remembering about um, stopping SSRIs abruptly, right? Oh, absolutely. The withdrawal from SSRIs can be horrific. It can be worse than what your symptoms were before you started taking them, especially if you've been on them for a long time. Uh, there are people who have to do um, tapers off of SSRIs that can take uh, months to years for them to successfully come off of them. They're called hyperbolic tapers and there's uh, an art to them, but um, it's, uh, it's a place where we're in woeful need of, of more research because there's no, um, there's no profit motive to do research into how to get people off of medications. So research like that just, uh, uh, it, lacks, it lacks funding and the issue itself also lacks awareness um, from both patients and from doctors, a lot of a lot of doctors will try and taper people off of medications like this in in uh, uh, extremely rapid manner, and it just sets it sets their patients up for failure. And then when they when they uh, when they when their symptoms return, they're kind of gaslit into everyone just believes like, oh, your depression came back. It's just proof that you needed the medication. Like, no, they are going through withdrawal. They are going through a withdrawal from the medication. That's what those symptoms are. So they, they get gaslit just like people who are vaccine injured get gaslit. And um, it's, mm -hmm. it's so the fact that uh, committing suicide is, is a uh, black box <laughs> warning on antidepressants right. is it's like, all right, what, what are some of the physiological manifestations of depression? Well, it's GI issues, it's sexual dysfunction, it's sleep disturbances, it's suicide. Okay, what are some of the side effects of antidepressants? Well, it's GI issues and sexual dysfunction and uh, it can be insomnia and suicide. Uh, okay, what are, what are we doing here? Seriously, what are we doing it's actually, here? It's oxymoronic. I, I want to let the audience know that coming up on March 1 on Nurses Out Loud, we have a special episode with just Nurse David, um, and he's going to be discussing specifically the impact of SSRIs on sexual health. And you'd be amazed how many Americans out there are on SSRIs, which are for, for depression. And we can only imagine how many boys specifically, let's just say middle school on up, these prepubescent boys who are in 
schools and they're showing manifestations of mood alterations because of all the hormones going on with them, possibly from all the things that have been injected into them or the foods they're eating. And, and these doctors that are out there and the parents who are just looking to medicate a kid to get him, you know, calm so he can sit through a class eight hours a day, sit in a class eight hours a day and just listen to his teachers could be being prescribed medications that are going to alter the course of his sexual future because of an antidepressant just to keep him calm in school. I mean, it, it's not a far reach because I know um, hundreds of people who it has been prescribed for their teenage boys. So we have no idea what's happening to our culture right now with these drugs. This is just shocking. And this is just one part of this guy's story, Jody, that you're telling right. Yeah. And, and here, you know, I also encourage people to do a search. If, if you're looking, if a doctor is wanting to put you on a medication, uh, you know, absolutely do your due diligence. I, I literally just typed in Lexapro side effects and just a couple of things I want to, you know, rattle off here on October 3rd, 2023, they say, what does um, Lexapro do to the brain? Experts are unsure exactly how um, Lexapro works, although historically it was believed that Lexapro's effects were due to its ability to rebalance chemicals in the brain, such as serotonin, right? So key thing here, experts are unsure. And that was five months ago. The next one, do you gain weight on Lexapro? And it says research has shown approximately 40%, almost half of the people that take antidepressants will gain 7% or more of their starting body weight, you know? So, I mean, that that's somebody who is 200 pounds. They're, they're going to gain 14 pounds. Like this is, this is, um, these are issues, you know? Yeah. Hey, you put on weight and now, uh, now you can't function in the bedroom. Is your depression better? It's so heartbreaking. <laughs> Recently, also, Moderna scientists warn mRNA vaccines can uh, have this toxicity risk that's uh, within their vaccine. And here you've got this patient that has all this going on and he's had the vaccine. He's already been damaged by the vaccine. And in the particular article that's citing this, it references that one of the toxic uh, components that has been now identified that, of course, Moderna already knew they put in it is the polyethylene glycol, the most potentially reactogenic component. The scientists said that polyethylene glycol or PEG, an ingredient in the Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 vaccine is known to cause allergic reactions. And scientists are divided over the mechanism behind the heart inflammation, which Pfizer has uh, positioned the, you know, behind this issue. So here you got this guy, he's already taken one of the vaccines. We know that it's causing inflammation. There's now some data coming out that's saying, you know, long after the package insert was blank for three years, that tells us nothing about what's inside these vaccines. We have the, the, the organizations themselves saying, oh, well, you know, it looks like we've got this reactogenic component in the vaccine and a, a patient like yours that's coming in, the polyethylene glycol alone could be setting off this catalyst of um, psychiatric effects on the body, not to mention every other effect that's potential with this body because you had another girl that has this um, yeah, twi tw twisted small bowel. But yet we we're talking about the psychiatric component of polyethylene glycol. We've got a, a guy whose life has been wrecked 
And he's just trying to figure out his life. Like, why am I going through a rejection or something with my uh, girlfriend? Why am I so depressed? Why am I hearing voices in my head? And having lived that with a kid who altered her life forever after a chickenpox vaccine. I mean, when you said, you know, uh, suicidal ideation with a plan, that was literally what this girl came to us and showed us like she had written down what the voices in her head had told her to do to our family. And by the time that she had told us that and confessed that she had already been found standing over us in the night, just a 16 year old girl standing over our bodies in the night. And, you know, you get this ghostly feeling that makes you wake up and all of a sudden you see this body standing over you in the night and it's your kid. And you're like, why are you in here? What's going on? And she tells you the most bizarre answer. And you're like, Mama knows something is wrong. And, th and that brings up something. The, the movie that we've been trying to encourage the audience to listen to that everybody needs to pay attention because it could be your story. It's called Take Care of Maya. And the mother who knows the child the best ends up getting a diagnosis of Munchausen syndrome by proxy or Munchausen syndrome, I think specifically just for herself, that they presume that because this mother was who was a nurse was so well read and studied so hard what's going on with my child? What does it take to help my child? Because she's the most invested person in that child. She ends up losing custody of the child, ends up having her rights to come and even see the child and advocate for the child taken away from her. And the mother ends up killing herself um, because the only way that she saw that her daughter would ever get out of being held hostage, a medical kidnapping from the hospital because they, they kept their chi her child there was if she wasn't in the picture, it's just devastating to see. And here this man is just navigating. He's doing the same thing all these mothers and parents are doing with kids that are injured, just trying to figure out what the heck is going on. He's trying to figure out what the heck is going on with my body and my life. And it's having far reaching impact. And as David mentioned, the community is just got the medical community is just gaslighting these patients. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, take care of Maya is, is a great, uh, but, terrifying documentary uh, if people are interested in that. And, and um, it's, it's something that's also happening with parents who have uh, teenagers who identify as transgender. There are lots of states passing laws either banning or requiring transgender um, medical treatments for teenagers. And you hear these stories pop up and it seems like it's not happening all that often uh, because um, um, you know, there's a recent story out of uh, out of Colorado of this happening, where parents had their 14 year old um, child taken away because they didn't want to participate in in her medicalization as a as a child. Um, but uh, there's there's far more of this happening than we are allowed to know about because the judges involved in these cases put parents under gag orders and they basically leverage them into silence with the custody of their own child. And so it's, it's, um, we don't know exactly how often this is happening. The parents who are speaking out about, Hey, this happened to me, uh, are, are basically violating judges orders. There was a father up in Canada who was put in jail for doing this a couple of years ago because he called his daughter daughter. And because he called her by her birth name, the name that he gave her uh, with her mom when when she was born, he he was he was jailed up in Canada for for doing that. So um, this is this is uh, I mean it's 
a really uh, difficult day and age to be a child and also a very difficult day and age to be a parent. This is, this is um, wild things happening in our world and in our country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I was just going to say that it is a huge issue. You know, if, if we're seeing movies being made about this, Right. Um, I think it's very important to pay attention to that. Right. Um, because it, it's interesting that they're finally letting these types of stories be released, you know, to the public. And and, uh, it, you know, it, it talks about really why a lot of parents are, you know, choosing to home birth their kid, choosing to homeschool them, choosing to keep them out of the system because we don't have as many rights as we think we do. And you can have, you know, somebody that works with um, the state, right? Child Protective Services. And it's not like they have a high education level, but their report and their findings have a lot of sway with the judges and um, you know, it's just, it's scary. Yeah. It's something we need to be aware of. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for weighing in on all this news. There's just so much to analyze that's going on out there in the media, but that's all we have time for today. Friends. Remember we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday, 10 AM Eastern. You can also catch the encore at 11 PM Eastern. Please be sure to tune in and listen and share because everything goes to podcasts. America Out Loud Radio plays on the iHeartRadio network. You can also listen on the media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best in-class apps available on Apple, Android, and Alexa. Great talk radio. All our shows go to podcasts the following day, and you can find those on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart Podcasts, and many more. Be sure to subscribe and please rate our show on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to check out the shop for ASEA products. We want to make sure you do that. Thank you both for weighing in today on this mental health impact and how it touches all the lives of our American citizens and how these vaccines that are still doing their damage are still wrecking the lives of American citizens all over this country. Remember, we are in a war for truth. We're putting out a bounty on the real misinformation and exposing the purveyors of propaganda. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the injustices experienced by American citizens. It is not just, much less fair, that the American military was forced to get the COVID-19 vaccine that only had an emergency use authorization. The American military keep American citizens safe. They are willing to put their lives on the line to make sure the country and the citizenry are not harmed by foreign invaders. They put their lives on the line to protect other countries from foreign invaders. They are among the bold and brave, and they should be honored for that. A stranger willing to die for you, a stranger willing to die to uphold the U.S. Constitution that is protecting your rights and civil liberties and your right to religious accommodation and exemption. Those men and women of the military were denied their own civil liberties and religious rights. Thousands, if not millions of U.S. military got this COVID-19 vaccine against their conscience, against their educated decision making, against their right to their own bodily autonomy. And those that did not lost their job, rank and retirement. Just because they're willing to sacrifice themselves for your safety and for the U.S. Constitution and the security of America does not mean that they or medical professionals for that matter or any other American citizen 
are obligated to take an emergency use authorization product against their conscience or decision-making process. But as Nurse Jody showed us today, an American military serviceman has had his life wrecked because of a COVID-19 vaccination. Thanks a lot to pharmaceutical companies for telling us a day late and a dollar short for the American people that there are toxins like polyethylene glycol inside of your purported safe and effective vaccines. It's a little late for that, but it's not too late for justice. Nurses Out Loud is committed to bringing the truth to you, and the truth is justice is coming. If you or someone you know, care about, or love was forced to get the COVID-19 vaccine, was fired because they didn't get the COVID-19 vaccine, was made to get the COVID-19 vaccine to continue their college courses or to return to any school system. If you know nursing students and medical students who are right now being forced to still get the COVID-19 vaccine to continue their education and are forbidden to participate in their clinical rotations in the hospital systems unless they're vaccinated, if you got the vaccine that the authorities told you would keep you from getting COVID and you still got COVID and perhaps even got COVID multiple times, if you were injured by the COVID-19 vaccine, if your health has been taken a turn since taking the COVID-19 vaccine, if you've had a miscarriage since getting the COVID-19 vaccine, or if a pregnancy that you got a COVID-19 vaccine ended with death of the unborn baby, if your nursing home made your elderly loved ones get the vaccine or risk being ejected from their living arrangement, if any of these are true for you, justice is coming for you. The second COVID litigation conference is coming to Las Vegas March 7, 8, and 9. I will put a link in my show notes for you to attend yourself. But most importantly, share that link with your family lawyer and lawyers you know via text or email. COVID litigation is going to be larger than big tobacco because 75% of Americans got at least two of the COVID-19 vaccines and only 11.5% of Americans are smokers. Lawyers, don't miss this chance to put these cases before the court systems of America to win volumes of cases, hopefully, and precedent-setting cases. Cases that will help secure America's future to never have its citizenry be terrified into participating in a medical experiment that harms them. Lawyers, in helping the American people get justice, you're helping yourself. Be the one, because it's time for justice. Until next week. It's time and